Let's be turning in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26. And we will begin reading in verse 20, Matthew chapter 26, and verse 20, we'll read through verse 25. And the scripture says, now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat. He said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he'd not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. I want to talk about the tragedy of some human existence. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus and how we pray this morning that the Spirit of God would fill me that as I preach, your word would go forth into hearts in power. Lord, we pray that the truth of your word would convict any that are here without Christ of their need for the Lord Jesus, that they would see the danger that they're in if they stay outside of Christ. And Father, convict believers that, Lord, that our lives would be such that we'd bring many not only to our Savior, but also live our life to please Thee. And Lord, we'll thank You for all that You do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, there are a lot of heartaches around the world in different lives. And if you live long enough, you're going to have some tragedy come into your life. And no doubt, you may even have said it at one time or another, I wish I'd never been born. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God Himself, lets us know that there is one that's lived on this planet it would have been good for him if he'd not been born. And that one, of course, is Judas Iscariot. Now, normally, when people make the statement, I wish I'd never been born, it normally has something to do with either some personal tragedy or disappointment that they've had in their life that they don't think that they can deal with for the rest of their life. And yet it's amazing how many of those things people do deal with and are able to get on later on in their lives. But there's probably no more pathetic person in the Bible than this man named Judas Iscariot. Now, as far as temporal things are concerned, those temporary things in life, he had an awful lot going for him. Here was a man who could put on his resume that he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was numbered with the 12. Now, that tells us that he walked many places with Jesus. He spent time with him that the average person did not spend. He heard the tremendous things that were taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, after all, you remember one time in John chapter 7 that the soldiers went out to arrest Jesus and they came back without him. When the Pharisees asked him why they didn't arrest him, they said, never man spake like this man. So we know that Judas Iscariot heard the most wonderful things taught that could be taught. Not only that, he saw many real life miracles. 
He saw those things that Jesus did. He saw lame people, not fake lame people that are in some kind of a public meeting, but he saw people who were lame, who hadn't walked in their entire life made whole. Saw blind people who hadn't seen in their entire life made to see. As a matter of fact, he saw dead people raised to walk. What an amazing experience that this man named Judas Iscariot had in his life. Even among the 12, by the way, this is the one, Judas Iscariot, that was picked out to be the treasurer of the group. And he was also a robber. This man was not faithful. But you look at all the things that he had seen. You would say, my Judas Iscariot had an awful lot of things going for him. And yet when the Lord Jesus Christ reveals that this is going to be the one to betray them, he says it'd be good for that man if he had not been born. Now, why would Jesus say such a thing? Just by way of introduction, I could give you a couple reasons. Number one, because there is conscious life after death. Death does not end anything. You don't cease to exist when you die. And it's not like those strange shows on some, like on Discovery and some of these other places where you get stuck in a house somewhere and you're trying to get released to be free. That's not what happens. When you die, you either go to heaven or hell, one of the two, and that's all determined by what you've done with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there is more to it. The Bible says, as it is appointed unto man once to die after this judgment. The Bible says, in death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I mean, if death simply ended all, then what does it matter when you die? If death ended at all, then you'd just simply go into the grave and your body would ride away and rot away and it wouldn't matter to anybody or anything because you're dead, that's it. But that's not what happens. Your existence continues in one place or the other. Now that not only that, but there is conscious, not only is there existence after death, but there is conscious existence after death. I want you to turn over to the book of Luke a moment, Luke chapter 16. A very famous portion of scripture. Matter of fact, I preached on it not too long ago in some detail. But you get to verse 19 and it is the Lord Jesus Christ who is talking. You will notice as we read it, he does not call it a parable. Jesus, as a matter of fact, says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar, and this is important here, he says, named Lazarus. He didn't say, let's call him Lazarus. If he'd have said, let's call him Lazarus, you'd have had the idea he's simply making up a name for a fictitious person. But he says his name is Lazarus. Remember, he does not call it a parable. And he gives a name to this beggar. And we don't find in any parable that is called a parable in the scripture that Jesus ever gave them a name. This is a real story. There was a certain rich man 
And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Notice of Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, I know there are a lot of people that would like to think that, well, that was the end. That was it. There was no more. He's done. But that's not it, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. It says of this man, it says, um, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy. Matter of fact, let me go back to verse 23. It says, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. You say, well, if the body's in the grave, how can he be in torments? Because you're going to see he does have a body. It's the body that's in the grave is being eaten of the worms. Yeah, it's gone, but he's not done. And God does have something for us. For you notice he says here in the verse, and in hell, he lift up his what? He lift up his eyes. And they were eyes that could see being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that they may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my what? Tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. He feels the flame. He feels the heat. He feels the pain. He feels the torment. He sees. He is in agony and torment. You understand that there is conscious existence after death. Even Job in Job chapter 19 verse 25 says, Though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh will I see God. He understood what happens after death. And we're not going to take the time to go through 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But the Bible has another tabernacle for us. And that's another message for me to deal with that. But we definitely in the scripture see a lot of existence in heaven. We're not going to take the time to read Revelation chapter 4 or Revelation chapter 5 or Revelation chapter 19 and chapter 21 and chapter 22 because death does not end all. And at death, there is a conscious existence after death. Not only that, there is no second chance after death. He makes it very plain in the story that he's not getting out. It's very plain in this story that even anybody who would like to come and help him can't come and help him. The Bible says, as it is appointed unto man once to die, after this judgment. We all have an appointment with death, but it doesn't end all. No, after death is judgment. At death, Lazarus was ushered into Abraham's bosom. At death... The rich man woke up in hell. You understand, after death, there is no second chance. It'll be determined right here whether or not you go to heaven or hell. And that determination has everything to do with what you've done with Jesus Christ. Jesus says of Judas Iscariot, Whoa, it had been good for that man if he'd never been born. Here's a man 
who lived, well, after 30, 35 years on earth, died, and according to the Lord Jesus Christ, he would go to hell. Think about this for a moment. Both the rich man that's talked about and also Judas Iscariot have been burning in hell now for over 2,000 years. Right now, as I preach in Madison, Alabama, Judas Iscariot is burning in hell still, and he's not getting out. The rich man that he talks about in the story, as I preach in Madison, Alabama, that same rich man is in hell burning. He's not gotten out. He's suffering like he's ever suffered. He didn't wake up this morning in pain. He was never able to go to sleep. It's been a continuous torment of pain. You say, preacher, that's horrible. Absolutely. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He doesn't want you to go there. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to be saved. That's why he went to the cross of Calvary. If you die and go to hell, it's not going to be on his head. It's going to be on yours. He died to pay your sin debt so that you could go to heaven by receiving him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. As Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now you can't get much plainer than that. He says in verses 6 and 7, he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And then he says later in John chapter 3 and verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Since we have all sinned to come short of the glory of God and the wages of our sin is death, we all deserve the same death that was gotten by the rich man Jesus talked about and by Judas Iscariot himself. Here's a man who saw Jesus, but he didn't trust him. Here's a man who saw Jesus, but he wouldn't believe on him. Here's a man who saw the miracles and he wouldn't take him. He had heard the other disciples talk about how they had believed on him, how they had received him. He didn't do it. Maybe, perhaps, he thought, because he walked with Jesus, that would take him to heaven. But he was wrong. Walking with Jesus, going to church, going to services, that doesn't take anybody to heaven. You must put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ in order to go to heaven when you die. You say, well, I just don't know that I can be good enough. You can't ever be good enough. That's why you got to trust Jesus. You're lost. You're undone. If you decided that you were going to live as clean a life as you could possibly live from this day forward, you would still stand condemned before God. You must have Christ as your Savior. Now, that's plain in the Scripture. Now, it's really a threefold tragedy that the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about. Number one, there's the tragedy of a rejected Lord. Imagine seeing Jesus and dying and going to hell. Now, he wasn't the only one that saw Jesus and died and went to hell. After all, those Pharisees had argued with Christ. Those Sadducees had argued with Christ. Those people that were along the way crying, crucify him, crucify him, they saw him. 
They saw him going to the cross. They saw him dying on the cross to pay for their sin. And yet they died and went to hell because they died without him. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. Now this is really plain and absolutely necessary. You can be a church member and die and go to hell. You could pray every day and die and go to hell. You could take all the money that you've ever made and put it in some church somewhere and you'd still die and go to hell. Because they that are in the flesh cannot please God and that is because of our sin. You need the only Savior that there is. And as Peter preached in Acts 4.12, Peter said this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. You could be a member of Madison Baptist Church and die and go to hell. You can be a member of 20 churches and die and go to hell. You can try to get your membership in every church in the United States. You'd still die and go to hell. It's only in Christ that you have eternal life. There is no other way. Obviously, all hope for eternal life will be gone once death takes that person who's not trusting Christ as Savior. John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. 1 John 5, 12, he says, He that uh, hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then he says this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You can have eternal life and know it. How? Taking the Son as your Savior, because he that hath the Son hath life. In John chapter 6, we have an interesting story. Turn over there a moment. John chapter 6, near the end of the chapter. Jesus has just taught some very difficult things for those that were listening to understand. They didn't get a bunch of it. As a matter of fact, some of the things he said in verses 51 through 59 so troubled even some of the people that were following Jesus troubled them so much that they began to murmur about it. They didn't like it. So Jesus gives them some further instruction and notice what takes place in verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now, for those of us who've been saved, we trusted Christ as Savior. It is very difficult to imagine Somebody hearing the words of Jesus and being so upset by what he said that they wouldn't want anything more to do with him. But you know the same is true today. There are people that hear the word of God. There are people that will sit in a Bible-believing church like Madison Baptist Church and after hearing a message like what I'm preaching right now, be so upset because it's gone so contrary to the, what the world's been telling them. The world's been telling them that, hey, Jesus wouldn't send anybody to hell. Jesus would let all people go to heaven and they don't have to do anything but just stay like they are. But Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. 
So here these people have just heard Jesus speak. And many of those, like Judas Iscariot, who had been following Jesus, left him. We're not done. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Uh, what we see here is Peter answering for all 12 of the 12. And he says, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. Now notice how Jesus responds to Peter's statement. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12? And one of you, what's that next word? Is. He did not say one of you will be. He said, one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Now, this is very important that you get this. Although Peter spoke up for the twelve and said, we believe, Jesus is basically telling him, no, there's one of you that doesn't. We can look at people and they're all dressed up for Sunday and they look good in their Sunday best and they talk good as they're there in the service and talking to people as they come around. But Jesus knows what's on their heart. He knows whether or not they've really taken Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, there's no, uh, there's no uh, scam artist out there who can fool Jesus. They may fool us with all kinds of nice words in the scams that they put on, but they can't fool Jesus. He knows everything. He knows everything about us. The scripture says, there's not a word in my tongue, but thou, O Lord, knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind me before. Thou hast set thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, cannot attain unto it. God knows us completely. So we look at this statement. Here he was next to Jesus, the only one who can save anybody and he stays lost. I mean, he hears right there. Jesus knows he's lost. He knows Jesus knows he's lost. Just as he did in chapter 26 of the book of Matthew. He knew he was lost. He tells him in another place, it's to him that I give the sop. And then he gives the sop to Judas Iscariot. And the other disciples, they evidently had a hard time. Maybe they had uh, ADD, I don't know, attention deficit disorder, because they never seemed to get those clear statements by Jesus. They never thought it through. They don't think it through here now. As a matter of fact, when Jesus says, one of you shall betray me this night, they all ask, is it I? Is it I? They all doubted themselves before they doubted Judas. That's how good of a testimony he had with those disciples. But Jesus knew that he was lost. The tragedy of a rejected Lord. Now, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home, as most of you know, unless you're visiting. Uh, I was brought up in a home of drinking and cursing, and the only time I heard the name Jesus growing up was as a curse word. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know who Jesus was. I did not know that he was the son of God. I did not know he was a sinless son of God, that when he died on the cross, he died to pay for my sins. I didn't know that three days later, he rose up from the dead. 21 years of age, didn't have a clue. Didn't know anything about him whatsoever. Now that's 21 wasted years of life, but thank God 
early in my 22nd year, early in my 22nd year, I got to know Christ as my Savior. I've got, I've got to know the Lord. So that means for the last 50, uh, let's see, what year is this year? The last 52 years, I've been able to walk with the Lord. I've been able to read all about him. I've been able to experience his presence. For he says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Judas never got that. Because he never had taken Christ as his savior. All this time serving the world, the flesh, and the devil instead of getting God's blessings. In John chapter 13, the scripture says that Satan entered into him and he betrayed the Lord. The tragedy of a rejected Lord. But then there's also the tragedy of a ruined life. Isaiah 64, 6 declares that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 8, he says, For it is not possible for those who are in the flesh to please God. To think of living all those years and not pleasing God. God. I don't know about you. I was talking, matter of fact, I was talking to Brother Schmidt yesterday. And, uh, you know, he's 80 years old now and still not old as some of you here, but uh, 80 years old. And he was just praising God that all these years that he's been saved and he got saved later in life like I did, uh, later in a young life like I did. Uh, that he's been able to have his life count for something. Now, for those of us who've been saved for a while, Brother Popple, hadn't it been wonderful to have your life really count for something? There may never be a statue put up for Brother Popwell or for Brother Weeks or for Brother Nelson or for Brother Tony Stark or for myself. That may never happen. But guess what? Our lives have been able to count for something. We may never get a medal here for anything. Our names may not be written in any book whatsoever. But thank God our lives accounted for something. There's going to be people in glory because we got to tell them of Jesus. It's nice to know that you've done something that really had some kind of eternal value. See, Judas doesn't get any of that. You see, you, what about the miracles? After all, you know, Judas went out with the other disciples when miracles were performed, like in Luke chapter 17. He was a part of that. When he went out, or Luke chapter 10, when they were sent out, evidently he did some of those miracles too, but he was lost. What about any good works he did? Well, if he was with the disciples, he had to do some good works. You, but his life is ruined. There's one thing that anybody remembers. Here's the man. Here is the man who was a phony. Here was the man who was a hypocrite. Here is a man who today is burning in hell. So what do any of his works amount to? There are people sitting in churches all over this world, giving to churches, supporting orphanages, supporting missionaries, all that that will simply hear the words, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I want you to turn over for a moment to John, or Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You get near the end 
of his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Now, this sermon begins in Matthew chapter 5, and it begins with the Beatitudes, the blessings, and we all like the Beatitudes. But he gets to the end of his Sermon on the Mount, and you'll notice in verse 21, he gives this warning. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I, notice this, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Well, look at some of the things they had done in that previous verse. He says, have we not prophesied in thy name? They preached. Guess what? They're going to be preachers in hell. They're going to be preachers that burn forever. He says, and in thy name have cast out devils. They're going to be people who did many wonderful works burning in hell because they never came to know him. Now, I know some people like to use this as an example of people losing their salvation. But the Lord Jesus Christ makes it very plain. These were people who never got it. You say, how do you know that? Well, Jesus says in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. K-N-O-W. I know them. They shall never die. I know them. Who? His sheep. He says to these people, I never knew you. If these people had salvation and then lost it, he'd have to say, I knew you once, but I've forgotten you. No, he says, I never knew you. Religious works simply are not going to get you to heaven. Jesus told the story of the farmer who decided he'd build bigger barns because he was rich and he wanted to be richer. He got the barns built, so now he would have all kinds of riches coming his way. And the farmer basically says, now I can eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus said of that man, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Since no man knows when he's going to die, for the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. If you want to go to heaven, you better get it settled now. Because the God, Bible gives this warning in Proverbs 29.1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Not only is there the tragedy of a rejected Lord and the tragedy of a ruined life, but there's a tragedy also of a regretted loss. You say, what's that? His own soul. Jesus says in Luke 9.25, What is a man advantaged if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul. If you gained the whole world, lost your soul, what, what have you gained? Oh, but I had this big mansion, preacher. Really? But you don't have it now. You die without Christ, you burn in hell like anybody else that dies without Christ. And I've got news for you. I don't care if you had 50 years in a mansion. And you had one of those sleep-numbered beds that could also get hot and cool just like you'd like it at night so you could sleep real good every night in hell. You're not going to be able to turn the heat down. You will burn. 
throughout eternity. Oh, the tragedy of a regretted loss. Think about the rich man and Lazarus. Luke chapter 16. The rich man, all those years in the mansion, and here's Lazarus, the beggar. He couldn't even afford to buy food. He had to depend on the garbage cans that the rich man threw out. That had to be a miserable existence. But I tell you, since he died, he's had it real good. Who do you think is better off, that rich man or Lazarus, the beggar? Because you see, that's never going to change. Lazarus is always going to have life. He's always going to be with God. And he's going to be at a place where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more loss. Hallelujah. Meanwhile, the rich man continues to burn in hell. I'm saying that on the authority of God's word. That's the way that it is. There is nothing worth the cost of your soul. People have lost so much. You take the richest people on the planet when they die. They don't take any of it with them. They have to leave all that behind. And if they're without Christ, it's an eternity in hell. I read a story about a ship called the Royal Charter. It had been around the world and it was almost home in England. It arrived at Queenstown and the message that it would arrive in London the next morning had been passed on. So the mayors of, of both London and Liverpool were there. The bands were there. The crowd was there. This is obviously many years ago. But instead of the ship coming in to port, it had sunk in the night. And all they had gotten was the news that it had gone down. The wife of the first mate of that ship was a member of Dr. William Taylor's church. The wife and the family, well, they'd stayed home for waiting for the joyous arrival of daddy. And he was going to be, they had a big meal fixed. They were prepared for all that. Dr. Taylor said that he felt like an executioner having to go to the house to tell that family that that dear husband and father had died. A little excited girl answered the door. And when she saw Dr. Taylor, she was a little disappointed. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you were Papa. He saw that the table had set and the mother explained that they were just getting ready for her husband to come home. And he took her by the hands and he said, my poor woman, the royal charter went down last night and your husband's lost. Silent, then tears and crying. So near home but lost. I look at Judas Iscariot, so near to going to heaven. He's with Jesus. He could turn to him at any time. But he dies without him. Lost. Lost. What a horrible word. Lost. Forever. So near. I think of somebody sitting in this auditorium without Christ. They may be religious. They may not be religious. But they're without Christ. And they hear this message that Jesus, the Son of God, who loved you so much that he died on the cross and by shedding his blood 
paid the price for your sin and mine. The Bible says, and he is the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He took your sin debt so you don't have to die and go to hell. And the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I mean, there's really no excuse for one person to walk out of this building today on your way to hell when you can have life today. Just come to Christ. I look at Judas Iscariot. Jesus says of him, it had been good for that man if he'd never been born. Even though he got to see the Savior, got to eat with the Savior, he got to know the presence of the Savior and hear the Savior, see the great miracles that he did, and talk with the Savior, only to die without the Savior. You take him as your Savior today, and he will give you eternal life. Now, may I make three correlations for saved people? I mean, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. That's taken care of. But it's amazing how many saved people don't do anything with their Christian walk and Christian life. They've trusted Christ as Savior, but they really don't live for him. They're not surrendered to him. That also is the tragedy of a rejected Lord because you understand, as Jesus said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? I'm going to tell you, it's wonderful to know Christ as my Savior. It's another thing to know him as my Lord, the one I want to obey and serve. You see, I got to know him. That gave me eternal life, going to heaven. But being surrendered to him means I can live a life that counts for something for eternity in glorifying his name. Then the tragedy of a ruined life. The apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he says, I bring my body into subjection. Why? He said, lest I be a castaway. He didn't want to be useless. He wanted to be useful to the Lord. He wanted to please his Savior. And then the tragedy of a regretted loss. For the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for those things done in the body. And he says every man's work should be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon he shall receive reward. If any man's work be burned he shall suffer loss though he himself shall be saved yet so is by fire. You see it's not a matter I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to go to heaven knowing that with my Christian life, I've pleased him. I confess to you, I'd like to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I look at this sad, sad figure of a man, Judas Iscariot. And Jesus said of him, it had been good for that man if he'd not been born. What would be the testimony of your life? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Dear God, I thank you for the truth of your word. It's very, very plain. Even though that there are a lot of preachers who try to skip around it and preach around it and deny it, I believe Jesus 
over any preacher anywhere, anytime. And his message is very, very plain. God, I pray for any without Christ today that they would understand if they died like they are, they would be in hell burning for eternity. But if they'd come to Christ today, they'd have sins forgiven. They'd have an eternity in glory. I pray they would come to Jesus and take him as their Savior. For Christians, Lord, who are just floating through on their Christian life and not serving you, God, deal with their hearts about giving themselves completely to you. Now, Lord, have your way in every life, I plead in Jesus' name.